And it had been started this series of uh, four weeks ago on Resurrection Day, the Ris- Risen series. And because we are called to live a resurrected life. And, and sometimes I don't even know what that's supposed to look like. And I think that's why God, he tell, I've had people say, well, you know, we understand you, Pastor. We can get you. Because I always want to go back to, I don't like the religious language so much because it just leaves us going, what does that really mean? To live a resurrected life? What is, how does that equate in the natural because we are called to live this life. We are in natural people. We are flesh and bone. We are flesh and blood, right? But He wants to inhabit us so we can live the resurrected life. We are not, we are not in the grave. We are resurrected. We are risen. And, once we, and I know that concept is sometimes it's hard to understand when you go through the mundane things of life and you have the, the trials and the, the tribulations of life. Sometimes it's hard. What do you mean risen? I feel like I'm in the I feel like I'm in the doldrums, I'm in the dump, I'm in the grave. I mean, I'm just not living where I'm supposed to live. But yet he has called us to live risen lives. And that's why when we baptize, we say we're buried with Christ in baptism, but we are raised to walk in this word called newness, say newness. We're called to raise in this newness of life. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 6. We're going to we're going to spend some time there. We're going to talk about how do risen people, or how should risen people walk? How are we supposed to walk? Listen, we talk about signs and wonders and miracles all the time here, but it starts with your walk. It starts with your belief, because it says signs and wonders will follow those that believe. But if they're following us, that means we got to be walking. This word walk is an important word, a word in the Word of God. But I take that scripture, I take that when I speak baptism, when I bury them, when we raise them, it comes from Romans 6, 4, and I want to read that for you. Therefore, we were buried with him, that's Jesus, through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. That's a directive, that's a command, that's, a, that's not a suggestion. We're supposed to walk in the newness of life, church. But what does that actually mean? What is it really? How does that equate into our day-to-day living? You see, the Word of God has a lot to say about how we walk, doesn't it? I mean, it, over and over and over, He talks about how we are to walk. But I want us to talk today, if we're walking the way that God wants us to walk, there will be some changes, there will be some, there will be some things that happen in our life that, ex- that show the manifest presence of God in your life. It won't just be... Every day as normal, as usual, just trying to get by. I think if Christians, that's the last thing we should be doing is trying to get by in this life. We are already by. (laughs) We don't have to get by. We're already by. Does that make sense? The Bible says a lot, has a lot to say about how we are to walk, but it has a lot to say about how we are not to walk. But you know what? If we focus on how we are to walk, then how we're not supposed to walk will be a non-issue. If we just focus on what God called us to do and how to walk, that word walk is from is a Greek word, peripateo. And it means this, to walk, to make one's way, to progress, to make due use of the opportunities, to live, to regulate one's life, and to conduct oneself. That's what that means in the Greek. It's more than this. It's not this. He's not talking about a physical walk. He's talking about a spiritual walk. He's talking about a walk that shows that Christ is walking in you and through you and leading you. He's behind you. He's on each side of you. That's the kind of walk. He's talking about a lifestyle of walking. He's talking about a lifestyle of progression. 
He's talking about a lifestyle of how we live, that, how we conduct our life every day. Now, I know in Ephesians chapter 6, when we talk about putting on the full armor of God, what, is, what does Paul say to do after we put on the armor? To what? Stand. Say stand. That's great because when, we're, when the enemy is attacking, we need an armor and we need to arm it up. We need to put those spikes, those feet in the ground of peace, and we need to stand because the enemy is attacking. But if we're going to advance the kingdom of God, we can't just stand. We've got to start walking. We've got to advance it. You don't advance something by going this way, do you? You advance something by going forward. And that's my heart is to see this city revolutionized for Jesus Christ. But if we're not living that life, and if we're not out there advancing the kingdom of God, are we going to wait for somebody else to do it? I hope not. He's called each and every one of us to do that. Because Christ was raised from the dead, because we've been raised with him, we are told to walk in certain ways. And I want to quickly tell you that some of the other ways we're told, told to walk. Romans 8 says, walk in the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 4 says, walk in truth. 2 Corinthians 5 says, walk by faith. Ephesians 2 says, walk in good works. Ephesians 4 says, walk in unity. Ephesians 5 says, walk in wisdom and walk in love. Colossians 1 says, we're to walk worthy of the Lord. Colossians 2 says, to walk in Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4, to walk properly toward those on the outside. And 2 John 1 says, we're to walk according to His commandments. Walk, walk, walk. It's important how we walk. You know, we talk about that term when people are lost. You know, you've heard the term dead man walking. That's, a, that's when a guy, somebody's been given the sentence of death and they're in their cell. And when they're, finally their day is to be, uh, to be uh, uh, injected or whatever it is, that the, whatever means you're going to kill them, it's, it's their day. And they start walking down that long road to where they're going to be, to be terminated. And it's called a dead man walking. Right? And so when we look in the spiritual, we see that all the masses out there that don't know Jesus Christ, and they, the Bible says that they are dead in their transgressions, they're dead in their sins, so we can call them dead men walking. But did you know that we also have to be dead in certain ways in our life if we're going to walk the way Jesus wants us to walk? We need to walk. He says we are supposed to walk dead to sin, but alive to Christ. So until the sin, until you recognize that the sin is dead in you, you cannot walk according to the life, the life that God has called you to live. But so many of us just allow the deadness to hang around. And that's what I want to share with you today. You don't have to leave here knowing, thinking that sin has dominion over you because it does not if you're a child of the king. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. Say that, I've been crucified with Christ. Woo, that's powerful when you get that. He goes on to say, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Wow, can we, can we grasp that concept this morning? Maybe you can't, but you know what you need to start doing? You need to start confessing it. It's not I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. Listen, he says, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That same word when he says, I live by faith, it's I walk by faith. Remember, the word walk, peripateo, also means to live. We have to start living this life according to who he is in us and not according to what we used to be. We live in this flesh. Man, sometimes that is no fun. Wouldn't you agree that we live in this flesh? 
But he said, that's not the way you're supposed to live. We are called to live differently, even if and we live in this fleshly body. Now, let's go back to Romans 6. I want to, I want to go back to the beginning. See, Paul... Paul is dealing with uh, the church at Rome, and he's talking about grace. He's always talking about grace. And they they're, they're, they're were like, man, they're confused because they, they, they're all caught up in legalism. They're all caught up in works. Anybody ever been in that place where you were taught about legalism? But, but grace was, if anybody mentioned grace to you, what would those people say that are caught up in legalism or that are caught up in religion? Oh, 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 you know, that grace thing ended, and that, you know, that just, that's just people that want to sin. They, they want to call themselves people of grace because they want to sin a whole lot. And Paul was dealing with, I don't know where that comes from in our teachings, in our churches today, because Paul addressed it here. He said, oh, listen, you mean the people were coming to him. You mean if I sin a lot, then a lot more grace comes on me? Ooh, that sounds cool. I'll just keep sinning because grace is so awesome. And Paul said, are you crazy? Are you serious? Listen to what he said. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Say certainly not. Certainly not. He was like, you guys are, that's absurd. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And I hear people, man, I just sin all the time. I just sin all the time. But you know what? God's graceful. You know what? That, that's true. That is true. When you, if you sin a lot, God's grace is awesome. But that's not how he designed us to live for him in the newness of life. When you start living with that mentality, you know what you'll do? You'll wake up one day and you'll be so far from the father. You'll be like the prodigal son. You'll be looking, you'll be looking at what the pigs are eating and say, man, that looks pretty good. You return to the vomit. Have you ever heard the saying, a new lease on life? Well, that's essentially what we get when we get Jesus Christ. The old landlord, anybody rent? You got a, a landlord like, whoo, man, he was a bad landlord. And then you moved and you got a good landlord and you went, yes, I got a new lease on life. <laughs> I got a new lease. Hope I can get out of that other lease. Well, see, the enemy wants to keep you under the other lease. He's, the, oh, he's a bad landlord. That makes sense. Landlord. Huh. He's a bad landlord. He wants to keep you in a contract forever. He didn't want you to get out of that contract. Listen, we have another landlord. He can break the lease. And he can call you into the, into the right living, to the right relationship, right place that you're supposed to be. 2 Corinthians 5.17, this should be one of everybody's favorite scriptures, verses. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that's so, so key that we understand in Christ. That he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Listen, that ought to be a shout and hallelujah verse for every believer. Every believer. I, I just said that should be a shout and hallelujah for every believer. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. All the old has passed away. It's all passed away. 
You know, when, when Paul says, when he writes as inspired by the Holy Spirit, he doesn't say we are going to be a new creation. He says we are a new creation. He says he is a new creation. It doesn't say that, listen, it doesn't say that we are going to become like new. It says we already have become new. We listen, we don't understand some things like this because we're still living in the old mentality, the old mindset. Some of you haven't been trained. You haven't been equipped to walk in the newness of life. That's what I'm here to tell you this morning to grab hold of. We are new creations. Not going to be new creations. We are. How does that happen? It happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 7, 6 says, But now we have been delivered from the law. That's legalism. Having died to what we were held by. There's that, that, that death sentence again to the old man. So that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter or legalism or the law. Man, I am so glad that God delivered me from religion. I grew up, religion was beating my brains. I was just, man, you've got to be to church. If you don't go to church on Sunday, God's going to be mad at, so mad at you, you're going to go to hell. If, you don't, if you're not here on Sunday night and Wednesday night and, and, and every, every night in between that there's something special going on in the church, God's not going to like you so much. If you don't memorize scriptures, you don't pray, you don't read your Bible. If you say a bad word, you know where you're going to go, Harold. I don't where am I going to go, Mom. You're going to go to hell. I don't, don't want to go to hell. Am I ever going to measure up? I just, they couldn't answer that. Just live a good life. Be good, be strong, don't sin. Wow. Condemnation, condemnation, condemnation. Works, works. Works. I'm so glad that my mother even got delivered from a lot of that in her older age. Because when she was, she was taught that same thing. So she tried to pass it on to us. And guess what? If we're not, if we don't break that religious, that religious spirit off of us, then we will pass it on to our children and they'll pass it on to their children. And it's been done all across the world because we still have religion all across the world. I put this down. The other day, a defeated Christian is an oxymoron. A defeated Christian is an oxymoron. Like jumbo shrimp. It's an oxymoron. In other words, they, they counteract, they, they contradict each other. Why do I say that? Because we are all victorious the moment we surrender our life to Him. We are a new creation. We become whole. We become new. Here's the problem. Many Christians live defeated lives. That's the truth. We, we are not defeated, but we act like we're defeated. We, we, we live out our lives in a defeated fashion. So even though we're victorious by the word of God, by the declaration of the blood, we have, are in the new covenant. We're already victorious. We're already saved. Listen, he says in John 3 that we are already saved. If we know Jesus Christ, we're already saved. But many Christians, and this may be speaking to some of you this morning, I believe it is, or God wouldn't have given me this message. Many Christians live and fail to realize that they have already been made new. They fail to realize that the old things have passed away. You know, the Bible says that we are not becoming the light of the world. It says Jesus says you are the light of the world. Ooh, I don't feel so much like light today, Jesus. He said, I don't care what you feel like. You are the light of the world. Oh, feelings. It's all about feelings. How do you feel today? 
God says, no, we're faith people. We walk by faith, not by feelings. That's the sight. Right? Just like my wife said this morning, you got to start opening your mouth and speaking some things. That's a good word, Mir Mir. That's what we call her, Grandma. Mir Mir. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors. Not that someday, if I live long enough, and if I'm good enough, and I work hard enough, I want to be a conqueror. No, Jesus said you're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. In Christ, we are more than conquerors. But see, who do you say you are? I remember Jesus said, talking to the disciples, who do people say that I am? And they gave them all different kind of answers. But I'm going to ask you this. Who do you say you are? You need to know who you are this morning. You're the righteousness of Christ. You're an heir of the king. You're a blood bond. You've been purchased at a beautiful, awesome, sacrificial price. You're kings and priests. I don't feel like a king. Many of this morning are victorious Christians living defeated lives. But listen, this should not be. Should not be. I I, I shouldn't say I love. I like sports. I'm trying to quit saying the word love. Because like loving ice cream. I I need to start saying I like ice cream. I love Jesus. You know, there should be a distinction there. Just me. But I, I, I really like sports. I grew up with sports. I mean, we, we lived in an era where you just, you got up, you went outside, and you played ball in the street. You played flag football on the, on the pavement in the street or in the backyard. You played tackle football, even little kids. But I really did like baseball. That was kind of my favorite sport growing up. Anybody in here ever, uh, here, here's the question. Anybody in here ever have to try out for a team? Wow. Okay. Any of you ever make the team? Okay. How was it that that moment that they said you've made the team? How did you feel? Well, see, I, I play baseball, and you know, my 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 neighbor, we would just go to the vacant lot, and I would pitch, and he would catch, and then he would pitch, and I would catch. We would take turns, and we'd call balls and strikes and all that. And man, we thought we, you know, we thought we had arrived because we were good, because we worked out, and we, play, we played hard all the time. And so I was playing for the Reagan, Reagan uh, Comets when I was a kid. Reagan Rockets, yeah. Well, we had different levels. So if you were one a rocket, you might be a Comet, you might be a... Anyway... I think it must have been the sixth grade, and I was playing. That, that was kind of like a minor league team to the little league back then. And, and so I was pitching, and I'll never forget this. i got to say this because I, I invited my neighbor who was not real sports-minded. I said, man, we need another player on our team. We're not going to have enough people to play, you know. He said, okay. He said, I'll come play. So he, first time he comes up to bat, and I'm pitching, I hit him right in the head with a baseball. <laughs> he never came back. Anyway, I remember the day that there, they said, hey, there's, there's a manager here from another team, and he's looking at you. I'm like, whew, I'm pitching today, so he's going to watch me pitch. And after the game, he comes up to me. He says, Harold Watkins, yes, sir. He says, we would like you to play for our team, Deltex. I was like, man, you could have just knocked me over. Like, what? I'm going to get to play for Deltex candies? Oh, man. So excited because I was moving up to the big leagues. But that wasn't the greatest part. Here's the greatest part was when they brought me the uniform. Y'all remember that moment when you got the uniform? 
How many of you remember the moment you got the end for your first uniform? Now, see, back then, everybody got, everybody, nobody got their name on their jersey back then. We were all like the Yankees. They're still cool, you know? No, no names on jerseys. But back then, you know, everybody, but I got my uniform. I remember, I couldn't find the picture, but I remember to get my, I, I liked this, I, I, I was, you know, Mickey Mantle was cool, so I watched Mickey Mantle a lot. So I had my, my parents take my picture in the front yard, black and white, you know? Mickey Mantle always had the right elbow up, you know, like this. And they snapped that picture, and I made Del Tex. And I got to pitch for Del Tex and play shortstop. But the uniform, back then we wore stirrups. I don't even know if they wear stirrups anymore. But, man, you thought when you put stirrups on and you put that belt on, man, I'm telling you, well, you felt like you were somebody else, something else. Hmm? Not somebody else, something else. First time I pitched, I think I did pretty good. I don't really remember. But here's what I didn't do. I didn't go to the coach the next day and say, Coach, am I still on the team? And after that game, the next game, I didn't go, Hey, Coach, did, am I still on the team? Why didn't I say that? Because I was on the team. I had the uniform to prove it. And even if you had a bad game, they're not going to take your uniform away. Watkins? You allowed three hormones that every year, I can't, we can't use you anymore. You're off the team. You see, that's the mentality a lot of Christians have. I messed up. I guess I'm off the team. I guess Jesus threw my uniform away. See, we have an eternal contract. It's called a covenant. Now, I know pro sports players, they, they sign multi-million dollar, multi-year contracts, and it's, it's just hideous, Right? How many millions of dollars they make, you know, for hitting a little round ball or trying to hit a little round ball. They get these, but they just have their, their, their contracts are for a certain period of time. And when that contract's up, man, they're, they're looking for another job. They're looking for another team, right? But not so us as Christians. We don't have to make the team. These ladies are going, oh, I don't like sports. What's he talking about? There's some of the guys. I don't like sports. What's he talk about guns, Pastor? We'll get with you. We are clothed in righteousness. We are to put on Christ. That's our uniform. You don't have to work to make the team. You don't have to try out. Matter of fact, it doesn't matter how good you are. You can't make the team on how good you are. This little devotional that somebody gave me a few years ago, and I thought it was appropriate for this. How many of you remember the name of Babe Ruth? Not Baby Ruth, the baseball player. At the, at the time, he was the greatest player of all time. He had ended his career with 714 home runs. He held that for 39 years before uh, enhancing drugs came along. <laughs> you know what else? You know what other record he held? Strikeouts. 1,330 times. Ty Cobb, he held the record for stolen bases for a long time. But he also holds the record for being caught the most in the season, being thrown out, trying to steal a base. Cy Young, I like this. You know the Cy Young Award? How many guys know what I'm talking about? That's supposed to be the best pitcher in baseball. Every year they give the Cy Young Award. 
Mark probably knows all these stats, Mark Oliver, but he still holds the most of the, the victories in the career for 511. But guess what else he holds a record for? Most losses. Hmm, who would have thought? He lost 313 games. One year he posted a 13-win, 21-loss season. That's not considered really good, okay, if you don't know baseball. I say that to say this. If you have given your life to Christ and you're on his team and you mess up and you strike out, guess what? Tomorrow his mercies are new. I mean, really, you can... You can strike out four times in a game. Listen, Joey Gallo, he's the new Ranger, he's the new Ranger home run hitter. He strikes out more than any of the rest of the guys on the team. But last night he hit a hit a he hits these bombs, they just go for 450, 60, 70, 80 feet. Guess what people remember about him when he hits that home run? Do they remember the strikeout before or the strikeouts yesterday? No, they remember the home run he hit today. But that's just it. God doesn't hold these things against us. We hold these things against us. We're the ones. We're our own greatest enemy. Here's what Team Satan looks like. Ephesians 4, 17. This I say, therefore, and testify on the Lord, that you should no longer walk, no longer walk, as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. That's a definition of Team Satan. That's the B.C. before Christ came into your life. That's who you were. That's who I was. We are no longer on that team if we have stepped into Team Jesus by giving our life to Him. Amen? Here's Team Jesus. But you have not so learned Christ, verse 20, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. Doesn't that sound like a coach? You've been taught by Him. You've learned by Him. Then you put off, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. That's Team Jesus. we got to put on the new man, church. You no longer play for the losing team. You got a new uniform. We have been renewed in our minds by the truth of God. There's going to be days when you strike out. Anybody strike out? Anybody get caught stealing? That's a baseball terminology. Yeah, well, I was in the store and it, you know. I knew they had cameras, so I didn't take it. It happens, doesn't it? We mess up. We stumble. We say the wrong thing, think the wrong thought. And if you allow the enemy to come in, he'll remind you, hey, you want to come back to my team? It's a lot easier. And you can just do whatever you want to. Uh, yeah, God loves you. Man. He's, he's great. Listen, the enemy will tell you whatever he wants to tell you. He doesn't care. He, he can tell you about Jesus. Oh, yeah, that's good. The Bible's good. Read the Bible once in a while. Go to church occasionally. The enemy will say things like that. All he's really counting, well, all he really wants is you back living a life that brings uh, everything but glory to God. That's why he goes after Christians. He didn't go after lost people. They're already lost. People think Satan hangs out at the worst places. No, he hangs out in churches. He hangs out in the 
families. He hangs out at the schools. He's trying to bring every believer he can down to his level so he can point his finger at you and say, See, I told you, you're not a new man. You're not a new man. You're not a new woman. You're not a new woman. You're still living like the old person. You know what you have to say when he starts pointing his fingers at you? Thank you, but I'm covered by the blood. You see my uniform, Satan? This is a really good uniform. It said, Jesus, <laughs> I am his. How do we make the team? But God, Ephesians 2, I love this, but God. <laughs> Say, but God. Man, we are sunk but for God, right? But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were the worst players in the, in the, in the lineup, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. We make the team by his grace, not because of our works. Remember that day when he reached out and said, I want you? Well, God, nobody else chooses me. Yeah, but I, I, you're my beloved. I choose you. I choose you. You don't choose me necessarily until I put out the call. Would you like to be on my side? Yes, Jesus. So you have a choice to respond. It says we are drawn by the Father. The Spirit draws us. He calls us. He beckons us. I will never forget the day I went in the closet. Merely went in her closet and I went in mine. We didn't know what we were doing. We were just new in this thing, this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you've heard me say this before, but she comes out with us, all this really neat scripture. She's really prophetic, you know. And I remember she said, what did God tell you? And I said, well, she just told me. He just said, this, this is God showed you. He said, I've chosen you, Harold. I said, well, you chosen me? That's all I heard. That was enough. That was enough that he chose me. But he chooses you. He chooses you. But I don't have anything to offer. He doesn't care. He has everything to offer. That's really what he wants you to come to. God, I don't have anything to give. He said, that's okay. I'm going to be in you and through you. I'm going to be on you. And I've got everything to give. Quit letting the enemy dictate how you're going to live. Or the choices that you're going to make. It says, because of his great love. He said, would you want to be on my team, Harold? You bet. I got a uniform for you, Harold. Thank you, Jesus. He said, it's going to fit you perfectly. It's going to fit you perfectly. I'm going to get a selfie with Jesus when I get to heaven in my uniform. I don't want to say things like that. That just pops out. Yeah, I remember the day I called you, Harold. I remember the day. He's calling you. Not because you're perfect. Not because you are good enough to make the team. He called you because he wants you. He created you. He created you with a purpose. He's already written your destiny down. Don't you want to find your destiny in Christ? Don't you want to learn to walk in the newness of life instead of being just letting the old man just keep pulling you back into the grave and the stench of a, a decomposed body. Some of you struggle with that because you don't know who you are in Christ. It's about your identity. It's always about your identity. Romans 6, 5 says, If we have been united together in the likeness of his death, death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him 
that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead. He dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's about your identity. He says Jesus died, he's alive to Christ, he's alive to God. He says the same thing that happened to him happens to us when we are crucified with him. And last I look, dead people can't sin. Dead people can't tell lies. Dead people can't steal. Dead people can't rob. Dead people can't do anything because they're dead. That's why we need to reckon ourselves dead to sin. It's, it's a mathematical term. You calculate it up, and it doesn't calculate very well in the natural, but in the spiritual it says he's paid the price. Your slate is clean, paid in full. And if you go on to read the rest of the scripture, that passage in chapter 6, which we're not going to read, it says we're covered by grace. We're instruments of God. We've been set free from sin. So every day that we wake up, we should say, Lord, what have you got for me to do today? Because your mercies are new today. It says in verse 22 that it says you were ashamed of the fruit that was produced from the old sinful man, the things that led to death. And everything that we did in our old life and our old man leads to death. But now, verse 22, we're going to close. But now, having been set free from sin, say, I'm set free. Having become slaves of God, that's a good kind of slave, okay? You have, fruit to, you have your fruit to holiness. That's being set apart. And the end is everlasting, eternal life. It doesn't get any better than that. You and I have been set apart. We are world changers. Say, I'm a world changer. We're fire starters. Say, I'm a fire starter. And we are team builders. Say, I'm a team builder. Say, listen, I'm going to proclaim victory every day of my life because I am victorious in Christ. In Christ. Everything we do should be wrapped up in Him in our uniform of love. So that we walk the life of a risen, victorious person in Jesus Christ. Now, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, verse 23 goes on to say, For the wages of sin is death. What you earn, what I earned before Christ is death. And that's death. That's an eternal damnation. That's not just dying here on earth and, and, and just dissolving in a casket or something. That's an eternity of death. That's eternity of separation from God. That's an eternal fire. He said that that's what we deserve. That's what every one of us deserve, including me, including Billy Graham. Everybody you ever knew that we even your mind, the perfect, most perfect people you know, we all deserve death. That's the wages of sin. But, just, but listen to the rest of it. But the gift of God, but the gift of God. Can you earn a gift? But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the good news. Would you stand this morning? Have our ministry team come.
2 Corinthians 5.17. Can you put that on the screen? Would y'all read this with me? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. But here's the deal. Some of you this morning, you're struggling with it. You're in the wages of sin part. You haven't received the gift of God, the eternal life. It's a gift He wants to give you today. Best gift ever, bar none. The very, very, very best gift is salvation, and it's free. And I believe that He's calling you today or you wouldn't even be in here. He's already, he's already set the stage for you to be here. I don't know how you ended up here this morning, but God does. And He's got an appointment for you. Don't make it a disappointment. Make it an appointment for God. So if you're here this morning, you do not, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the invitation is first and foremost for you. Because it says when one sinner repents, man, the angels just start whooping and hollering. They have party in heaven. Amen. I'm, I'm telling you, heaven's going to be cool. It's going to be fun. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be awesome. Maybe that's you this morning. You can't say without me. Here's a good way to gauge it. Even if you say you've prayed a prayer at one time and, or you were dunked in some water one time, but you have you never really stepped into the relationship with Christ. There was never a change in your life. You still live just like you before you said yes. Maybe you said yes. Listen, more than likely, there was nothing that actually changed. You just said something from here and not from here. So if that's you this morning, as we begin this invitation, if you've never truly given your life to Christ, this is your day. And the second part of the invitation is this. Some of you are letting the old man beat you up. Maybe you're still in, in an addiction. Maybe you're, in, or maybe you're still in a disobedience. Maybe you're still living a life that you know, you know that you know that you just rebelled against God. And today you would say, you know what? I don't, want, I don't want to live that more anymore. I want to live the new life that God's given me. I don't want the old man to boss me around anymore. And maybe that's you this morning and you need prayer. So would you just bow your heads quickly? And of course, if you have other prayer needs, but I specifically want to deal with those two this morning. If you're lost or if you're letting the old man rule your life, you need prayer this morning. So, Father, this morning, I thank you for your presence to give new life. I thank you for the power that you have to erase the old man. And we reckon him as dead, not because we're that smart of mathematicians, but because the blood of Jesus covers us. And we have this covenant relationship. Lord, there are people in here that have they have been up to bat and they've struck out time and time again. They don't they don't ever they seem never to have a day where there's just any kind of peace or joy or victory. And they've let the old man dictate their life. Today they would say, No more, no more, no more. I want to walk as a created being, the new creature, creature that you created in me. We want to walk in that today. So Jesus, have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now come. We have counselors in the back, ministry team in front and back. And I'm going Christ. Mom, make a decision for Christ today. He wants you on his team. As we just said, you can't play the game unless you got the uniform. That's true. He wants you in this game, the game of life. It's serious. 
Thank you, Father. Come on, some of you are just you're letting the old man run your life. Are you ready to say no to that? You ready to say no to that? And yes to Jesus Christ. Step out and come. We have prayer teams in the back, over there and over there. Prayer all across the front. Come on. Come on. Just want to put on the new uniform today. sense right now, man, there is just a, there's a, there's a struggle in here. Some of you are like stone cold, huh? Not moving. Not moving. Are you really happy where you're at? Are you really happy? Listen, God didn't give you this message. He gives these messages so he knows that there are these needs and people need to be challenged by the word. He says the word will not return to him void. We just bow your heads. I just want you to pray. I want you to ask the Lord, who am I? Am I living the new created life? Am I I'm living in the newness of life? Or am I living in the old man? Is there more old man showing to me than the new man? I want you to ask yourself that this morning. You know what? The enemy's tapping you in the shoulder. Oh, you're okay. And so you messed up. You're, you're okay. But you're sitting there saying that God said, no, you're not. You've walked away. You're so far from me. God's, God's heart. He just, we grieve the Holy Spirit, guys, when we, we're not living, we're not loving, we're not walking in that life that God's created for us to walk in. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, for those that are just holding back, that think that they can settle for old mundane life from just trying to get by. Lord, I pray that there would be a breakthrough in this room. I want you to start praying in the Spirit right now. Just pray. Come on, guys. Start praying because there, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, uh, there's a wall. Some of you say, well, I've, I've been before and I've rededicated my life before. Well, rededicate it again. Well, that's just so embarrassing because I just, listen, you've got to begin to speak over yourself that I am the new person. I am not who I used to be. Thank God I'm not where I am supposed want to be, but I'm getting there by the grace of God. I'm on the road. I'm progressing. I'm walking. I'm walking forward. I want to advance the kingdom in power. Listen, you think you're going to advance the kingdom in power when every day you wake up and you're still living in the old life? You think you're going to advance the kingdom? You're not going to do a thing for the kingdom. Come on. Pray. Pray, saints. Y'all need to be praying. Thank you, Jesus.